A quick announcement before the podcast begins. Don't forget that my three books are now available on Amazon and most online bookstores. 216 and the Secrets of the Universe 2nd Edition is available on Audible, Paperback, or Kindle. It is also translated into Spanish. 216 and the Secrets of the Universe 2nd Edition is a message that myself, the author, Omar Angulo, was guided to deliver by higher beings to humanity through this book. It all began on 216 when my older brother took his life and sent me down an unfathomable rabbit hole over the course of four years. This book can be enjoyed by those that are spiritually curious to those that may consider themselves to be full-blown awakenings. My second book, titled My Contact with UFOs, Otherworldly Beings, God, Angels, Demons, and More, is available on Amazon and most online bookstores on paperback. This book is a collection of personal stories and experiences I had with the divine, paranormal, spiritual, and what some may consider to be taboo. My third book, titled My Book of Psalms, The Book of Old Number 3, is available on paperback and is also on Amazon and most online bookstores. This book is a collection of song lyrics written by myself with deep meaning over the course of my life and also a collection of photographs taken by myself or colleagues during not only my musical journey, but journey of life as well. And now, the podcast. Hey, what's good, everybody? Welcome to episode 43 of In A Good Way podcast. Today, I have a very, very special guest. Uh, her name is Betty Guadagno, and she's a recovery coach. Uh, she's also experienced in NDE and so much more. She has an incredible story that uh, she's going to share with us right now. I've been looking forward to this very much. So uh, welcome, Betty, and thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me, and thanks for having the podcast and doing what you're doing for the collective. No, absolutely. Um you know, I was telling you before, uh, you know, your story is very familiar to me. So I think that's kind of uh, something I haven't experienced with, you know, out of all these interviews, right? Something about your story is very familiar to me. And, and I'll talk more about that after. So first, we'll just go ahead and get into your story. First, um, I guess leading up to your NDE, because I know the NDE was this huge awakening or whatever that happened. But even before that, do you remember experiencing anything spiritual as you were growing up? Were there little hints or anything along the way? Definitely not. No, just complete and utter asleepness. Uh, No, no ounce of spirituality at all. Wow. Okay, that's amazing. So, um, you know, I know, okay, leading up to to that, there was um, even a very tragic situation that you went through, right? Yeah, I'll I'll share a little bit of the story. Stop oh, me if you want want me no, no. to. Uh, I'll, yeah, to pause. <laughs> I'll, I'll do I'll do a little run through of it. Yeah, I'll please do, do the Cliff Notes version. But yeah, and and thank you so much for supporting me and watching the interview and then wanting to connect, um, like on a more personal level because that's really what it's about for me. Like sharing my story. My story is completely covered in trauma it's also covered in a lot of triumph today you know it's very like vulnerable for me to come out and like say these really intimate things about my life but when I get to like actually intimately connect with another person it all makes sense like that's what it's all about and um yeah you know like my life growing up I grew up really impoverished we were really poor we like constantly got evicted we used to Mm. steal our groceries my family was just like this perpetual cycle of addiction and poverty and lots of sexual trauma. And, you know, it was, that's just what happened in our family. So like I learned at a very young age 
that if you use drugs or drink alcohol, you don't have to deal with the feelings that you're feeling. Because I watched my parents use and I saw that when they were in a moment of crisis or a moment of celebration, if they drank something or smoked something or took a pill, that that feeling went away. Mm. And so I learned very young, like, okay, this is what I have to do to get through life. So my parents' uh, dis-ease of addiction progressed. My own, you know, dis-ease of addiction also progressed. And in 2007, my parents made a decision to stop using drugs. And the only way that they knew how to do that was to commit suicide with one another. Mm, I'm really and sorry. Just, poof, I mean, like, you can't even imagine. Sometimes when I say it, I like just skate over it so quickly. But like, it is a trauma that completely enveloped my whole being. Mm. And, you know, my sister was 18 when that happened. I was 23. And we found our parents, they left these really brief notes. They were written on like the kitchen notepad, like for wow. groceries. And, you know, they didn't explain anything, but, you know, like it didn't really have to, because like, I understood that they were suffering. This was like the height of the Oxycontin epidemic. So like wow. they were really strung out on pills mm. and, um, and they didn't have any refills. And it was just like this perpetual, it was happening all the time. So, you know, like after that death happened in my life, drugs became my parents. Mm. Alcohol became my parent. This was the only consistent thing in my life. And I made a decision in that moment that I would no, never be a victim ever again, as long as I live, that now I was going to be the abuser in mm. people's lives. I was going to be the perpetrator. And I made that decision very consciously. I abandoned my sister. I moved across the country and I, cre I created so much chaos and havoc in my life. I got married, I got divorced, I got married again, I got divorced, maybe oh, wow. one more time, married and divorced, you know, oh. I, I just, just complete wreckage, you know, mm -hmm. like, because it was just this, this whole cycle of like, rejection, abandonment, destruction, chaos, and that was all that I knew, like, that was my regular, you know, so um, I really, I got really strung out on drugs, you know, like I used drugs for over 20 years. I know I don't look like it, but I oh, did. <laughs> and you can check out my Instagram and see before and after photos. And it is epic. Um, but you know, like I ended up overdosing and I died. Mm. Um, I didn't really die. I and mean, like, it felt like I died. I mean, obviously I'm here. I didn't die, but, um, yeah. You know, like I, I experienced eternity and mm. today I have some language for what happened to me and what I had experienced was a spontaneous Kundalini awakening and different parts of the world call Kundalini energy, different things. Kundalini is an Eastern term and Kundalini means life force. So I had this life force energy awakening where we have like a chakra system inside of our spiritual body that lives inside of our physical body. And so all seven of my chakras were opened and activated at the exact same moment. And there was this rush of energy going up and down my spine. It was actually causing me to pee all over myself. So half of my awakening was spent on the toilet, which is really funny. <laughs> so as my third eye and my crown opened, my spirit shot out of my body and went into the space of eternity. Mm. The same space that near-death experiencers describe. And, you know, I that's exactly what it was. It was a near-death like experience like I said I didn't actually physically die but it really everything that happened was I was home I was back in heaven and I was guided there by people that had crossed over my father was one of the main voices that led me into that space 
And he stayed with me for the bulk of my experience. And, you know, like I got there and it felt like this extreme sense of reunion. Mm. I was finally home. And it, I felt like I was waking up from a dream. I remember like shaking my figurative head, like there's no body there, but like just going like, oh, that was crazy. Mm. And really feeling like I had just woken up from a dream. And, you know, like when you wake up from a dream, you could only grab a couple seconds of it, you know, when you wake up from a dream here. And the only thing that I could remember from my 35 years of life was that my parents had committed suicide. That was my only memory from my whole life. And um, after in the when you had the experience, when in the experience, like when it felt like I was waking up from this dream, the only thing that I could grab from the human dream mm -hmm. was like this very intense trauma. Wow. Like nothing else. It was like nothing else had happened. You know, like that was the only thing that happened in my life. Wow. So, yeah, you know, the experience was, I mean, when I entered that space, I was, I'll give you the contrast. I was an atheist, devout, militant atheist. Um, I was an orphan to suicide. I was a homeless meth head prostitute strung out on heroin. Mm. I was a liar, a manipulator, a thief. I was everything that you would think wouldn't get you into heaven. And none of it mattered. Not one piece of my story mattered because like I said, it felt like I was waking up for, from a dream. It was like my story didn't even exist. Mm. And um, there were some beings there. They didn't like explain who they were, but it was very clear that they were people that were in charge of something. And I saw them kind of sitting at like this very long, it was it looked so crappy in my mind's eye. It was like this <laughs> long plastic card table and they were like like a, like a banquet table mm. and they were all sitting there and they had this big huge book and they were thumbing through it and they were like you're not finished you're not finished the story's not done yet and I was like I'm finished <laughs> they were like no you're not so then I started getting downloaded with it looked like movies in my mind's eye like video game playing out they were downloading me with some of some of the information that I needed to continue on my journey so they told me that I was a, I was a spiritual soldier, a spiritual warrior sent to uplift the consciousness of the planet. And I volunteered and I signed up for this and this is all my doing. And doesn't, isn't that great? Doesn't you, doesn't that give you this great sense of freedom? And I was like, no, okay, cool. I signed up, but like I made a mistake and now I'm home and I'm not going back. And they said, listen, the first half of your life was just boot camp." right? The next half of your life is going to be so much better. You're going to be carrying out your mission. It's not going to be anything like the first half. And I was like, I don't care what you guys are saying. I was so combative the whole time. I like, it felt like unconditional love. And then it felt like I knew that they were telling me that I couldn't stay there. And so mm. like, I really became like a small child. You know, I was like stomping my feet and my hands on the ground. I was like, no, 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 you can't make me go back. Please don't make me go back. So th then they took me through more of the download of the pre-birth plan. So they took me through the actual life experience that I decided to have inside this human for this mission. So in my, again, it, it played out in my mind's eye, almost like a movie, more like a video game probably because of like my age, the generation I grew up in, this is the imagery that I saw, or the fact that we're living in a simulation, take your pick, whichever. <laughs> but so I went into this, it was like a grocery store. There was a man, he was guiding me. He was wearing a plaid blazer and a fedora. And mm. he said, okay, pick your life. 
And it, we had this empty grocery cart. And then the lines of the, the aisles of the grocery store, they were like lined with these big cereal boxes. And each cereal box had a life experience on it. And I was like, you know, I could see myself kind of as a spirit. And I was like, we're going to earth, we're going to earth. And like, I just start grabbing every single box that I can like throw into the cart, everything, every experience. I want to experience like the depth of duality, you know, like molestation, addiction, poverty, eviction, lost loves, death, the double suicide of my parents, picking my parents, picking the family line that I would be born into, and then picking the partners that I would have all of these experiences with. Like the one that stands out very prominently in my mind is that I, there was a man that molest, sexually molested me when I was a small child. And I saw the moment when him and I came into contract to have this agreement with one another. And I wow. saw the reasons why. And one of the reasons why was because in a previous life, I had been his abuser. Wow. And so in this life, we were balancing it out. So, you know, like just so like just the depth of all of it. So, you know, like I'm looking as I'm throwing all these life experiences in a cart and then I see things in the cart that have not happened in my life. You know, I see spiritual awakening. I see recovery. I see overcoming. I see a career, financial stability, like all of these things that I have never experienced in my life, never dreamed that I could experience and so, you know, I, I was like, okay, I see the cart. I understand that I picked it all, but like, there's no way that I'm going back. I was like, listen, she is glitched. She is, she's ruined. I was like, there's no way to fix what has happened to this mm. person in their human life. And, you know, it was kind of like this knowing of like, you're underestimating our power. So they said, listen, you don't have to go back into her. But you have chosen to have all of these life experiences. Let, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something real quick. The way you talk about her, like if you were someone else, why, why do you say that? Like what what did you see that made you makes you say, I'm not going back into her? Oh, okay, yeah. Because I know that I'm not this body. Like this version of me, she didn't exist there. Mm -hmm. You know, like I was just like this beautiful like orb of light, like this light body. Wow. And um, so I had no human form. So I'm I'm looking outside of myself, like out of my body, I can see this human, mm. like sitting on her toilet, having this awakening, like on her bathroom floor, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, No, she's a mess. Like, I can't, I can't mm. go back into her. And they said, you still have to finish all of the life experience that you signed up for. So if you don't go back into her, We'll show you the baby that you'll be born into because mm. you still have to balance the life. You have all these contracts with all these people. You've signed up for this mission to transmute collective energy and you have to finish the mission. And so they showed me this beautiful baby. She was, yeah, I can still see her so vividly in my mind's eye. But the thing is, is that she was going to have to take on everything that I had already experienced, plus some extra stuff. Wow. Like, it's almost like, yeah, like you didn't, you didn't finish the level. And so like, now you got to go back with like a broken leg. You know what mm. I mean? Like <laughs> I had like deeper levels of adversity yeah. and um, I just thought, damn, I can't start from zero. You know, like I can't even imagine what that would be like to do it all over again. Mm. So I'll go back into her. And then I found myself kind of sifting back into my awareness 
And um, yeah, I could hear them as I was coming back and they were like, don't worry, it's going to be so much better than the first half. And I was like, I don't trust you guys. Like, don't talk to me, you know? <laughs> and then I just wrote the whole thing off as drug induced psychosis because like, who wouldn't, you know, all I knew was that I, I took a bunch of drugs and then I thought I was talking to God, <laughs> you know, and like the experience itself is so, there's so much depth to it. Like, this is just the really important part. I feel like I'm supposed to share mm. is that. I was downloaded with the belief that everything that has ever happened to me in my life, I have chosen it. Mm. My soul has chosen it for the evolvement of itself. Like my human can't understand why a soul would want to experience the double suicide of their parents or the death of, uh, of a partner or, you know, like just this, this whole depth of, of experience that I've had, but my soul knows why. And I don't, I don't necessarily have to understand why. So, you know, like after the experience, I just kept living my life the way that I was. I was like, damn, I got a cool story. This is awesome. Mm. And I just kept using drugs. I was like, what heroin addict am I going to tell this story to? Like, what's their reaction going to be? Because that's all that my life was. And, um, and then the universe stepped in in this very loud, tangible way that I could not mistake that my experience was a true one. And like all of these divine synchronicities were taking place to, to get me onto a different path. And, you know, I, I, I found myself like unable to find drugs because all of my drug dealers decided to change their lives at the exact same moment and stop selling. Wow. And like <laughs> these people didn't know each other, but like they all made this decision to like be better men. You know, it was like so bizarre. And then I found myself in heroin withdrawal and I was so sick. And I was so desperate and, and I just, I heard this voice and it told me that I could request what I wanted fixed. And, you know, I was like in the throes of desperation. I was like, okay, voice, whatever you say, I want to no longer be physically dependent on heroin. And, um, and I experienced a spontaneous healing. I mean, like I went from being so sick all over myself, puking, sweating. It felt like my bones and my skin were on fire and crackling. And then, yeah, almost instantaneously, I was just completely well and healed. And I like jumped out of bed and I was screaming out to God. And I was like, this can't be real. I don't believe in this. Like, I am definitely not worthy of this. Like, how could this be happening to me? And, you know, like I was, I just kept hearing this voice telling me that I was worthy of all the love in the universe. And, you know, and, and so I thought like, well, if I can experience healing, then, then I, anybody can, right. Cause if I can literally anybody can. Mm. And so I went out on the New York city subway system and I tried to lay hands on people. I was <laughs> like, we could all heal ourselves. And I was crazy. I was like literally running up and down train cars, like preaching, evangelizing, proselytizing, laying hands on homeless people and drug addicts and trying to cure them of their addiction. And, you know, like that was all just because nothing was integrated. And I was so excited to have this information in my life. And I felt like I wanted to let everybody else know about it too. And so then through a series of signs and synchronicities, I found myself in a long-term drug rehabilitation center because I definitely needed that. Even though I had been healed out of the sickness of opiate withdrawal, 
I still had so many mental addictions to not only all these other drugs that I was using, but also to my lifestyle, to my poverty consciousness, to my low self-esteem, to my zero self-worth, my addiction to chaos and suffering. Mm. I had to start to reprogram all of that stuff. And I needed to be somewhere safe to do that. And so I went into a long-term treatment facility. And I swear to you, like, I did not go willingly. I did not want this for myself. The universe, I swear, it was like there was a huge hand pushing me through the door. Like, I had no choice. So what got, I, what got you to the door of the rehab? What, what? So, yeah, some really beautiful synchronicities. Like, I was on a train. I had no destination. I was just sitting there, like, totally lost and confused. And this man appeared across from me and he was wearing a narcotics anonymous necklace a 12 step mm. fellowship. And I heard a voice and it said, that's your path. Follow him to a meeting. And the, a couple of days later, I went to another meeting, you know, I was going to meetings every day and I found myself sitting right next to the program director of the long-term rehab that I ended going into. And, you know, like I saw her in this meeting and I just, I knew that it was a sign that I had to talk to her. And so I was like getting up my courage the whole meeting, because how do you ask a stranger to help you? Like, I don't know how to do that, you know? And so I'm like psyching myself up. I can see like in my mind's eye, I'm like doing jumping jacks and I'm like, come on. I'm like all rocky, like punching the air and like running back and forth. And, and after the meeting was over, I went up, up to go talk to her and she was gone. She left early and I felt so defeated. And so with my head hanging, I walked to the bus to go home. And when I stepped onto the bus, she was sitting right there. Wow. I mean, like, it was like a movie, you know, yeah. it was so <laughs> perfect. Like I ran up to her so manic and insane. And I was like, oh my God, I think that you're an angel. You're sent to earth. You're here for me. I want to talk to you in there, but you were gone. And now here you are. And I think that this is a sign. You're supposed to help me. Will you help me? Please, 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 please. And she said, yeah, we can help you come by tomorrow. And, you know, like that sentence changed my whole life without my permission. And yeah, like in that program, I got to go to school. I became a peer advocate. I have a job in the recovery field. I coach people through their recovery process. And, um, you know, like it's, I, I caused so much harm in my life. I mm. really, truly did. And like, this is how I make my amends. You know, like I, I counteract the energy of destruction that I once had in my life with this, you know, these acts of service that I've centered my now career around. And I'm so grateful for that opportunity to make my amends in that way. You know, like I can't write all the wrong that I did before. There's just no way. And there's no, there's, there's nothing I can do about it. The only thing that I can really do is just be a better person moving forward and, and, um, and be there for somebody else, you know? Mm. So yeah, that's like the, that's the bulk of my story. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. I didn't want to interrupt. There's so many things that I relate to of your, about your story that, you know, I didn't want to interrupt you, but see, like, like for me, I've experienced all these things already throughout my life without the near death. Right. And like you said, the pattern, like I started seeing patterns since, since I was young and I tried to make amends. The See, a lot of people don't know that about me. A lot of people that don't like that. Okay. First, thank you. Right. Like you've been my muse for the last, since the day I messaged you. Yeah. Thank you. You're like, um you reminded me of everything, like, like what my mission was, right? Like I've known, but you were like the mission before, right? Like you, like I even have a song, right? That kind of, you, you're the, what should have happened. Like 
okay, I'm gonna tell you like this. I wrote a song, um, and it's called Lorraine, right? And it's a girl, and it's a true story. That's one of the first times I saw that when I would write songs, they would come true. I was like, what is this freaky thing? Because in real life, she hadn't died, right? But seven years after I wrote the song, she died how I said in the song. You know, and then she, like the same, right? She she was this beautiful girl. She got hooked on drugs, you know, and eventually she died. But but she hadn't really died when I wrote the song until seven years later, right? And the last verse, I don't know if you mind. I could sing it for you real quick if you don't mind, right? I'm going to serenade you real quick. <laughs> so it goes like this. The last verse, it goes like, hopefully I don't get choked up. I don't know why I'm feeling like that right now. That's weird. <clears throat> it goes like this. I sometimes wonder what if her life had been saved? How would she be living like a do in a day? Would she have some kids and maybe good career? Gone off to college, made it better out here? Because from that pain comes the best of lessons. Maybe shared her life with those in the same situation. Each one, teach one. We're unified. I know they couldn't know whenever divide this our tribe, all the wasted youths, outcasts, and have knots of societies, groups underneath where troops just waiting to awaken. <clears throat> Keep mm. on pushing and just see where we take it. Lorraine, Lorraine, where could she be? I seen her walking down the street, now pretty as can be. No longer a dope fiend, no longer upset. I guess we finally made it out this mess. So. Oh my God, I'm covered in goosebumps. I feel like my nips are going to break off my body. That <laughs> was beautiful. Oh my goodness. Wow. Thank you. See, and that's why when I heard your story, I was like, you are what I was trying, like the mission, right? Like I was trying to reach all the lost people, you know, mm. but I never, you know, I always felt like I failed because I didn't keep pushing, right? Like I got tired, even the music industry, right? Trying to, like, I was like, I, I have these songs that are meant to, to help people. I'm not going to be kissing no one's ass. I'm not going to be doing this or that, playing these politics. Like you like my music, like it's meant to help people. So where's my deal? Where's my, like, how come I'm not getting... And even that was a frustration with the spirit world. Okay, I see that you guys put me here for all this. So why didn't I get that break, right? Like I was just, um, you know, but see, like, like that was because even that, right? I won't lie. So this is probably the first time I, I've said this because you were of, of your honesty, right? Like, like there was a time when like I sold drugs, right? So I was around that, right? But it was just like that. Some One day, one girl, she was like, hey, you want to make some extra money? I didn't know nothing. I had never touched it. You know, never. I, she was just like, oh, give me this money. I'll get it for you. I'll sell it for you. Okay. Who doesn't want free money, right? I gave her the money. Boom. And she started like selling crystal meth. But I was like, the money? And then she was just selling it. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because I did that for about three years, right? And I had never done it. People didn't believe me. They were like. Like, you've never done it? I was like, no. So I didn't see, I would see people begging me like, oh, do you have any, you know, you see, I'll go and their kids are all dirty, dirty diapers and they're here begging me. And I'm like, what the hell? But I never experienced it. So I didn't know. Right. And then I ended up with this girl that was on the stuff for like about three years. Exactly. So I had to pay my karma and I knew it. And it was half. it was like, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Like she broke me down to like, I mean, there was a time where I was close to like taking my life because I wanted to help her so much, but I couldn't. And I'm very like stubborn. I'll stay like to my detriment, right? Always trying to help people. And so I knew I, I got it. I paid my karma and uh, and I took it, right? 
but somewhere it burned me out, right? And I stopped wanting to help people. So all that I, I don't, you know, I know this this interview is about you, so I don't want to go all into my thing, but but it's like that. Like, like I was always trying to help people. And somewhere I got I got exhausted. And thanks to your story, I'm kind of remembering part of that mission. You know what I mean? So thank you. That's wow. Oh my goodness. First of all, thank you so much for being vulnerable. You know, it's so nice, like I said, to connect with somebody. Like, yes, I'm here pouring my heart out to you. I'm telling you all of these, you know, like my sacred art, like my soul designed this story, and I'm here expressing it to you. And so to hear what your soul designed for you, and that's my belief, I won't claim it for you, but just it, it touches me so much, you know, and to be able to construct it into art. And also you're like reminding me how powerful our words are. Not to say that like you created that experience, but you prophesized it because it was already written that way, you know, and you were able to channel it through your music. And I think that that's so cool. I mean, like, I love hearing how, like, you know, as we spiritually awaken, what sort of creative gifts we use. And, you know, like, um, Another thing that came up when you were talking is that we don't know what's for our highest good. Like, I don't know. I'll talk for me. I don't know what's for my highest good. I want to be like a billionaire. I want to reach millions of people with my message. You know, like I want to be fine. I want to be independently, you know, like wealthy. I, I don't want to have to work for anybody else. You know, like there's lots of things that I desire for myself, but I don't think that that's where I'm supposed to be right now. Not saying that I'll never be there. But, you know, like the more that I, the more that I want things to be on my timeline, the more resistance I create around that. And so it won't happen, you know, or like the more that I think about like, well, how many people are watching what I'm saying? Or, you know, like, you know, do, do people like me, you know, like, like staying in the comments of videos, I do not recommend. No, no, but, I have. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It is the worst. I am not good with it. But you know, like that's something else that came up for me when you were talking, you know, like thinking like, well, why won't the universe give me what I want? You know, but like, maybe it's just not the right time. And maybe you're meant for something different. I have to tell myself that all the time. Every day when I go to work, I tell myself that. <laughs> I'm like, it's coming one day maybe yeah yeah no I, I you know because I noticed like I said since early on I was already seeing the other side right I would get things like one of my things was I would dream the future right but see even back then who could I talk to like I started trying to go to church once I started really because even that right it's like they wouldn't let me die it's almost like I was like I was trying to die without like sometimes if someone will put out a gun on me, I'd run towards them and they'll run away and they'll be like, what? Like, you know, like so many things happened to me, right? Like, I'm not sure if I did have an ND. The only time I could think that I, if I did have an ND was when I was 16 on my third day of high school, I was in a car accident, right? And I have a scar right here, but I don't know if you could really see it. It's like my whole, well, it was bigger. It was like all the way, right? And you know, that's where your pineal gland is and all that. So, and that's kind of when I started writing songs, right? I mean, a little before that, but after you know from when i was 16 on you know then i got in a group and we started writing more songs and you know um recently like a few years ago maybe a year ago or two years ago i had a dream that i was in this it was like this facility and all the walls were like see-through but all the uh, the ones operating were all women right and the one she pulls out this thing that looked like a tumor like that big from my forehead and she's showing everybody and she's and it's all women. And they're like, oh, wow, that was huge. They're like, oh, wow. You know? And so I was like, well, how this time I thought I was already like 
wide awake. Like I haven't, like it took me a long time to meet anybody like myself, right? That's why I was always quiet. I expressed it through songs because even at church, they didn't like, I saw when you would tiptoe and try to tell them, even though it's all through the Bible, everyone having all these experiences, they were really not about that life. You know, <laughs> it was like, so I was just alone with my spiritual stuff, except through music, right? And uh, so even though I've been experiencing it, I forgot where I was going with that. There was, what What had you said right before that? You said something that. I have no idea, but something came up for me while you were talking. Yeah, please. And do. it was that, you know, like, I think that it's really important for people of color to to talk about their spiritual experiences in an open way, because I think for, and you know, like I only, obviously I'm not a person of color. I can't say for myself, but I know that, you know, people of color, they, they have uh, communities, like they, 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 they are part of religions and they have churches and stuff. And, and I've heard this so many times that, you know, like they go to church they talk about what happened to them and people say that they like, you know, that's not, they can't talk about it. That's the devil. Like it's evil. And, you know, a lot of people that you see online that have like these spiritual experiences, it's all just a bunch of like old white people. And it's like, wait, where is everybody else? Like where, how come they're not being represented? And, you know, I think it's because, you know, in the culture, like you're taught just to like go to church and do what you're told and, and and the church doesn't really recognize these things as the miracles that they are. No, 100%. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I've never called myself a person of color. So I don't know, like, personally. But it doesn't matter because you're right about that situation. Because even, see, I got lucky. I found a Native community, right? After, like, I started going to college and my professor was, like, she was Native, right? And, uh you know, slowly I met somebody there and then and then they took me to my first native ceremony. And then after I became part of this community and that changed my whole world, I was able to be open. You know, the elders, I'll be talking to elders that are like 80 something years old and they understood even some of the things I had experienced. They had an experience, but they knew I was saying the truth. They knew like, cool, like, hey, go ahead. You know, um, you know, I could connect you with even this like more powerful medicine man or this or that or something like that. Right. Like they wanted to guide me. Or, you know, whatever, just point me in the right direction. But but they understood me, right? So I felt great around that, right? And then it, even I remember there was a girl I was... But then, see, I started losing a lot of friends, right? Because I started being more open about it, you know, after that. But I was already, like, you know, in my 30s by the time that happened or, or late 20s, probably 30s, right? And so there was even this girl that I was seeing on and off for years. And one day, you know, even that, I started writing cultural songs, this and that. And that's, you know, she... She was like, oh, I'm a hardcore Christian kind of thing. Put her nose up at me kind of thing. But it was weird. Like, she still wanted to talk to me all those years. But finally, one day I went, like, on a 10-minute rant. I was yelling at her. And at the end, she was like, well, she was like, I guess, like, now I know. Like, well, now you know I never kept that a seat. Like, what are you talking about? But, well, okay, because she was um also from El Salvador, right? And El Salvador is, like, the center of the Mayan civilization. Like, who the hell... Do you think before they colonized and came and raped your ancestors, like what the hell is wrong? So that's the problem I've had, like with a lot of friends that I just had a lot of knowledge of self, right? Like I understood, but see, that's the thing is I understand in this body, the more I got spiritual, cause I was hardcore at one point, right? I was like brown, 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 this and that, right? Everything like because of that, because of the, pre I don't know, did they ever show you? I've been curious about that now. All the things that I've experienced, 
did they show you anything on the other side? Because I still don't get why the whole race is like why our race is all divided, this and that and that and this. That's still an interesting thing to me. Like who designed that part of what? Yeah, it is so interesting, you know, and, and for me, my understanding of what it's about is to experience deeper levels of societal adversity. Like we're aware of where we're coming to be born. Like we know that we're coming to earth. I mean, we know it when we're there, but we don't, I don't, I mean, I didn't understand it. You know, like they told me what it was going to be like. They gave me like a little brief window of like a feeling of it. Like, okay, it's going to feel like this, but it only lasted for a second. And I was like, okay, I can handle that. And then like, I come here and it's like decades and decades of linear time. My spirit doesn't understand time because, you know, time is not real. Um, but, you know, like to, to experience the separation, you know, like I came into form as a human to to perceive that I'm separated from God. And then I come into form where I'm, I see that I'm separated from every other person as well, or I think mm -hmm. that I am. But, you know, for me, part of the spiritual journey is about realizing that I am one with everyone and everything. So as, and, and with race, it's like a similar thing, you know, like not only do I perceive all these different people, but I also see people that don't look like me. Mm -hmm. And so society tells me to be scared, but do I trust that my spirit says that it's okay? You know, and, and, and when does it become naive and when is it, you know, like, when is it justified? So I think that that has a lot to do with, you know, like the baby that I was going to be born into, she was a, a, a little black girl and, you know, like that, and they explained to me, like, this is going to be a deeper level of societal adversity just because she's black doesn't mean that she's any, you know, it doesn't mean anything, but in our society, it does mean something. And so my life was going to have that extra challenge added to it. And, you know, being a woman is a level of adversity in its own. And so I, you know, I just thought like, I just, I can't even imagine, like, I can't, I can't keep getting more and more added to my plate, you know, like I, I've already experienced so much, but yeah, you know, I think that the, the thing about dismantling racism or like seeing us as, as separate individuals is that we get to come to this idea of unity, you know, and that's, and that's the really beautiful thing. Like, obviously we have a system in our society that's broken. And so now it's about unification. Like how great is it going to be to figure out the ways to unify us instead of focusing on all the things that actually separate us? No, 100%. See, and that was one of the things I felt I was here to do because even on the first album we did, it was like I I got someone from each thing, right? Like my friend that I was in a group with was black, right? Uh, I got someone like I got like that. For some reason, Mexicans and Salvadorians, I didn't know that people from society, like we're supposed to be mortal enemies, right? Or some like we're supposed to hate each other. And I didn't because even like the first girl that I fell in love with, she was like a Salvadorian girl, right? And then I had a really good friend that was Salvadorian and this and that. So I had like a Salvadorian, my black friend, an Asian friend, an Egyptian friend, me being Mexican. So I had all these different on one album. And I realized that music unites people like on a whole nother level. Like even where I grew up, like there was a war between like brown and black people. My friend, I once had another Mexican friend because my friend was riding like shotgun next to me. Oh, how, how, how and other friends were in the back. Oh, how are you going to let a black guy drive, go in the front and the, the other guys are in the back? I was like, what the? Because at that point, see, they didn't know. Like, my friend jumped in front of a gun for me once. 
Like he, the guy was gonna shoot me. He jumped in front, no questions asked. Like at that point, I hadn't even had a Mexican friend. Not to say they didn't later on and everything like that, but at that point, I didn't even have someone in my own race do that. No, like that, like. So my loyalty was, I don't give a shit about your race, whatever. I don't care what. At that point, that race thing gets dismantled real quick. It's like even in the military, right? They say like, or even that, people that don't believe in religion, they say there are no atheists in foxholes. You know what that means, right? Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like no atheists in foxholes because you start believing in something mm -hmm. real quick when you're, you know, facing life and death, yeah. right? <laughs> or you'll be praying to anyone, Buddha, God, whoever, you know, to get you out of that situation. So that's how it was. And then later, you know, even that, like I did an album. And then, you know, I had this white friend. He was the only one that came through for me. Like, I asked, like, eight, nine, ten people, hey, come do, boom, nothing. He was the only one. So I was like, you know, and even that, right? Like, uh, there was a time when I did a cultural album that was definitely more aimed towards, like, that, right? Like, brown people, this and that. But I felt it was. There was a lot of anger in it because of things I had been going through. And then I have a nephew that's white, right? He, like, my brother married, you know, his wife is white. And, you know, my little nephew looks white as snow, right? He's like, you know, this. And here I am with this album that obviously would cause more division, right? Like, at that point in my life. And here's my little nephew, and he's like, I love you, Uncle Omar. And I'm like, I never, I just left that album. I didn't promote it, nothing. Because I was like, what if? What if I'm teaching, watch that be the karma. I'm over here inspiring someone to be like, yeah, let's fight against these other culture. And watch... Someone caused harm to my nephew because of me, because of this all, because all they look at him and they're like, oh, this little white kid or something like that. And watch that be the karma. Like, I was like, hell no, I screw me making money. Screw this. Screw that. I, I had that, that understanding. I ain't going to be, you know, I let out whatever I expressed myself and my frustration, the, you know, whatever stuff I experienced, which was real. It was all real, beautiful songs, a lot of stuff, but it was more just adding more division, right? Like. As, as truthful as it was, you know, so I was like, I, don't, I just don't want to keep causing more division, right? Uh, yeah. Blah, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, so that, like, I, I was learning a lot of lessons along the way. I don't know why, how we got into that. Oh, just talking about. I don't know. I love it, though. I, it's going where it's supposed to go. Yeah, no, I, and I hadn't heard you mention about that, that the, the little girl you were supposed to go into was black. See, I hadn't heard that. So thank you. Yeah, for I don't think I've ever shared that. So thank you for giving me the space to share that. But, you know, and part of my spiritual journey now is like, you know, and also before my experience, I was a, I was a hardcore racist. I oh, really okay. I was hardcore, man, only because like that's the way that I was raised. I was raised to think a certain way. I think lots of people are. And then after my experience, you know, it was like every cell in my body demanded to transform 180 degrees. And everything that I thought and every belief that I lived my life by was no longer working. Mm. And, you know, like when I I surrendered into recovery. I was in a, a rehab in uh, Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, and it was like 90% black women. Mm. And so I, black women taught me how to be a person. They taught me how to be a woman. And so all of my ideas about racism or the things that I thought just by judging a person by looking at them all got completely wiped away, you know, in my moment of desperation, like these women taught me how to be a person. Mm. No, that's beautiful. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, damn, I was gonna say something about that too, but I, oh, well, that's 
So even, you know, recent, okay, so let me tell you, like in, in 20, it's interesting because you said your experience, I don't think you said it in this interview, but I know you said it that it happened like March, 2019, your experience, right? Uh, March, 2019. And, um, oh wait, no, March 23, right? March 23, 2019. March 23rd, 2019. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know why I remember that something I did happen on March 23rd as well. So something made me remember that, right? Like synchronicities and stuff, but, uh-huh. but, um. You know, in February of 2019, my brother commits suicide. He, he, mm. he, he, oh, it's funny. I've never said that before. Like someone like, um, said, because even that word, when you think about it, they were talking about in human terms. Cause I said like, oh, my brother, uh, took his life. I think I said, and they were like, oh, that's good that you use that language. Cause when you think committed, it's like they committed a crime. And I think they brainwashed us in that way too. Like if someone takes their life because of all their pain. It's like they committed a crime, you know, committed. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, wow. And I had never used that until right now. I don't know. Because you said that too, right, about your parents. You said they, they committed. They say committed. You know, yeah. And like w- when you work in like the mental health field, they say completed suicide as opposed oh, to committed. Wow. Yeah. The word committed does have some negative connotation to it. But like a word is a word, you know. And um, thank you for sharing that. And yeah, I'm sending you light and love. No, um, thank Thank yeah. you. I really appreciate it. No, I, I'm, you know, obviously you understand that. And so that flipped my world upside down and everything that I understood. Because even one day they told me to, they, after my brother passed away, I guess on Facebook, all his people that were, cause he was in the military for 20 something years. Right. So they just brushed it off like, Oh, PTSD, but it was a lot deeper than that. Right. But, but so on Facebook, his friends would message me. And then one day a friend jumped out on me. One of my friends, like, I don't, I think it was almost two months after he had done it. And they were like, oh, message him. I was like, I was like, no, you know, because he didn't even tell me my condolence and nothing. Like, I'm not going to mess in there. Like, if you don't message him, you're going to regret it. And I'm like, you know, like, whatever, fine. You know, because I always listen when they tell me stuff, I always listen. Right. So I'm like, hey, how's it going? And, you know, um, he didn't even, I, I barely saw the message. He didn't even say nothing, but I knew I was like, oh, I'll call you. That's all I put like, oh, he's oh, it's okay or something. I put, I'll call you. And then I called him and I could tell there was something wrong with him. And I, I drove, he only lives a few miles away. And, and I guess he was at that point, he was about to, and he even told me, so I think God or an angel sent you here or something. And I was like, yeah, and I, but, but as, as I was thankful. And, you know, I had like from the native, like I, I had my sage and I smudge them off and, you know, trying to help them like get rid of some of that negative energy, everything. And, and, uh, but at the same time, after I look away and I'm like, oh, hell no. Like I'm looking up like a God, angels, you let me save someone else. Like clearly now it's a hundred percent confirmed and you didn't let me help my own brother. Like, are you kidding me? Like I wanted to destroy like the heavens. And so I went into a dark place. So I was basically like, screw it. I'm going to do it. Like I'm a, I'm, I'm out of here. My brother, he had a family, he had everything. So it was like, how dare you, you know, all this stuff. Like I'm trying to help people. I'm trying to do this, but yeah, you guys didn't even give me that, that one. Right. So then that's when, see how you say about like the, this woman comes and takes me where my brother is. And she looked like a Colonel in the military or higher rank, right? She takes me to where he is. And and boom, boom. And then when I wake up, all these synchronicities start and they show me because I had graduated when I graduated on the, it was like, 
you know, it was on 216. I just wrote a whole book about it. That's what's amazing. Like, it took four years, yeah. And I'm able to show people now. Now, I mean, this is like so much information to show because it was like we had already agreed to it before we came. So that they started, that's when I went down that rabbit hole of, wait, like, so this was all agreed upon. How is this, you know, but it was very like, it was crazy. And then they they kept visiting me. And then on one visit, then they showed themselves like their true form. And it was these big old beans, right? And my heart, like, I've never felt love like that, right? So it was like if I was one of them. And I think they're what people call, like, Palladians or whatever, right? And they're, like, it was the main one that was always in contact with me was this woman. I even call her, like, my star wife, you know? <laughs> I don't know if she really is, but I claimed her so too bad. Like, <laughs> she has to deal with it, right? But she was the one that kept appearing for me. And so... So in that one, she's like really tall, right? But she was very fair skin, like exact, almost like it wasn't to the point of light, but it was like very fair skin. So I was like, shoot, if I'm one of them, how does that even make sense to to have any kind of racial stuff? If that's who, like you know, in real in my spiritual form or whatever, I'm one of one of them. So whoever I chose to come in this in this form. So I, I understood that even on that level, right? And I wanted, it took me like two months to shake that off because I wanted to go with them. I didn't want to be here no more. Just like you said, like all that stuff. Um, you know, and just real quick, they visited me one more time and they, I was going through stuff like a, after, I think during the whole pandemic and they asked me, you want to go? And I was like, yeah. But it, I think they didn't expect that. They were like, oh. But then after I was like, fine, fine. Like I'll stay and finish whatever contract, I guess. I got a fan, but I don't want to be here no more. Like, you know, I think maybe this was two years ago or less, right? I was like, nah, nah, like I'm done. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah, yeah, I know it's a lot. Yeah. So, no, so. that was, that was beautiful. And I appreciate getting to know you more and, um, and hear more about your sacred art. You know, like when we share things about our lives, this is the, this is the story of creation that our soul created for this human to go through, you know? So being able to share about it openly is like the greatest creative expression that our spirit could possibly ask from us. And when we're willing to do that, like for me, it feels just like such, it feels like fireworks. It really does. And like my mm. whole body, this whole time has just been covered in goosebumps going up and down. It's like so intense. It's so much, you know, but Robert Schwartz, he's a, like a hypnotherapist. He he's written a bunch of books about pre-birth planning. And um, he wrote a specific book called Your Soul's Gift. Mm. And, and it's about why certain souls choose major adversity. And one of the chapters in the book is about suicide. Mm. Why do souls choose suicide? And, um, you know, there's some of the things that resonate in that, in that book for me, like the particular encounter that he decided to put in the book. And then there's some things that don't like, I, I believe that suicide is like a high probability, like a soul comes into carnation. Maybe they don't plan on committing suicide. I mean, like in an alternate reality, they haven't committed suicide. Like we live in a multiverse, there's infinite timelines happening mm. all at once, Yeah, you know? And, um, you know, so like, like, uh, I, you know, I, I think that it is planned. And again, my human cannot understand why a spirit would choose that. But I know that when I get home, you know, I'm going to be like, oh, of course, <laughs> that was why, you know. 
Yeah, no, no. And what you said about the multiple, see, when my brother passed, I started seeing those. And the first time it happened was I was in the shower. And, you know, I, I made sense to me because water, like, you know, we come into this existence through water. It's the portal, right? So for some reason, I was in the shower. All of a sudden, I started seeing all these realities simultaneously in my head. And I freaking dropped to my face and started praying, like, make it go away. It was just too much for my brain to handle. I felt like I was going nuts. Like, it was like, you don't know how long it's going to last. So I just seen all these realities. And eventually, it probably took like a minute. Who knows? But imagine a minute. You know, like, I mean, I never did a hallucinogen. So I didn't know what, like, you know, I don't know. I already live in that world, right? I've always been like in both worlds kind of simultaneously, right? Like because of, I think the music, it didn't make sense to later since I've had this podcast and I've interviewed people and they said how like, even when you think about it, when you're right, creating songs or this and that, it's like you're tying yourself to all the, you're opening all these doors and you're just like, Broom. so I was like, wow. Cause I've written over a thousand songs like in my time, like no exact. So I've been opening doors left and right and never learned how to close them, you know? I love that imagery. Yeah. And I love hearing about somebody um, having like this slow and steady spiritual awakening, as opposed to like, like a bucket of ice water being thrown on your head, you know, like having you're getting downloaded with things at different points in your life, because your awareness feels like you're ready for it, you know, but yeah, that that um, that multiple reality thing, that was part of my experience, too. In fact, my father communicates with me. He's like my number one spirit guide. He's with oh, me wow. all the time. Um, I, oh yeah, by the way, I love star wife. That's so awesome. <laughs> I also have some sort of, yeah, like star husband or I'm not sure what he is, but he comes and goes. I, I, and, uh, but he was like a really big part of the beginning, initial part of my awakening. And, and my dad stays with me. And, you know, my dad doesn't communicate with me from, the space of eternity, he communicates with me through an alternate timeline wow. where he did not die, that they both attempted suicide. Only my mother was successful in her attempt. Wow. And my father, we found him and he was still half alive. And wow. so like, I've seen the whole timeline play out in my head. And, th and that's where he communicates. And he had a near death experience in his suicide attempt. Wow. And so he went into recovery. And like it, I had had this imagery of him like digging this well of living water for me to awaken in this timeline eventually. Wow. And yeah, just, you know, it's so vast and it's so cool because like it's, it's imagination too, you know, like we get to design all this really awesome stuff. Like what's going to make my experience, like the best experience that I can have, what gives me the most comfort? Like, what are the things that I want to focus on? What are the beliefs that I want to incorporate into my life? Cause you know, I'm allowed to have any belief. I cannot believe in a higher power. I can, uh, you know, like I, I can believe anything that I want. But like, what fills me up? Like, what makes my life a life worth living? And so I've developed some beliefs around that. And I'm open-minded to them changing because they have changed many times. Mm. I used to have very strong beliefs that doing drugs and prostituting yourself was the A plus lifestyle. You know, I was like real loud about it. I was really loud about it too. Um, I would tell anybody that listened that I was like a junkie, that I, my life was awesome and um, like I was so fun and cool, but you know, and, and my beliefs changed around it. And it's very humbling to have like your whole life just turn 180 degrees. No. And it's, it's beautiful. 
like I'm telling you, like I'm I'm not being like, you know, I'm not like you really reminded me of all that, you know. So thank you for and for being so brave to share it because it's like and it's that. How were you able to it was the experience that profound that instantly like you didn't feel any shame about it, you didn't feel any guilt, you didn't nothing yeah. like it just like yes, being downloaded with the belief that I am actually a divine co-creator of my experience and not a victim to my circumstance, and also being downloaded with the belief that it's not real here. <laughs> this is not real. You know, like I know it not only from my own experience, but listening to other people's experiences. We live inside of a dream. This is our waking dream. It's how we can manifest. It's how synchronicities happen because we're basically lucid dreaming inside of this big waking dream that we're all having together. And so when you, when you, when you like have that realization that nothing is actually real and that you live inside of an illusion, it's kind of silly to get wrapped up in like fear of judgment or shame. And that's not, like, I don't tell my whole life. Like there's some things that I've only said out loud to like one other person, you know, there's some things that like are very shameful that like, I need more time, like working yeah. on myself to process them. But you know, there's other stuff that like, I feel I feel like it's my purpose. It's my mission to share openly about this stuff because somebody might need to hear it. Somebody might need to hear that if me, a homeless meth head prostitute strung out on heroin can have their life transformed and can create a whole new world for themselves, then literally anybody can. Like there are no words in the human language to describe what kind of depraved animal I was, but it's not the person that's sitting here today. And if it's possible for me, I know that it's possible for literally anybody. No, thank you. That's beautiful. And yeah, yeah, no, like I heard you say that. And, uh, you know, I thought that at one point I remember people like, but see, I didn't share it. I wish like, well, I mean, you know, I guess I could share it now. Thanks to your bravery, right? Like the same. I, I used to think that like, if I changed, People don't realize, like, if I change, then, then you know, I felt like others could change as well. Because, you know, I guess, well, because at one point, right, I went to the military and then you don't talk about your past because you're not supposed to have that past. You know what I mean? Like, even when I went in, like, my job was like I had a secret clearance and I got to put in for a top secret clearance. You know, you know, like how would, you can't talk about like, oh, at one point I was doing this or I was doing that, you know. And, uh, you know, even one time, right, like I was. I started with like, you know, I was driving strippers, right? And then it turned out that, you know, then next thing you know, I just have like a bunch of like prostitutes, you know? But I think that was the thing. But like, it was like, they were the nicest because they were honest. That was the thing. I think I, I preferred to be around them because, you know, I had had like girlfriends and then someone else would tell me, oh, they did this and that. And I'm just like, my mind couldn't even like, what? Like, and then being around them, just being so honest was like, I'd rather be around them. Like, just, you know, and, and so I was even around that. And I didn't judge them, I guess. That's why, see, like, I didn't judge them. And even that, I remember one, even, oh, I don't want to do this no more. And I was like, don't. Okay. And then that was it. Like, they just needed someone to to believe in them, right? They just needed someone to be there like, well, then stop. Why don't you do this instead? Okay. And then they did it and boom, it worked out. Like, just like that. Just me being there. And telling them, yeah, yeah, you could do that. Like, yeah, you don't have to do this. Like, no one had ever told them that, that they didn't have to do it. You know what I mean? Something like that. So that's why I'm telling you, all that is so familiar to me. Because, you know, even though, um, maybe I I wasn't doing it, but I was around that, right? Like, all that all that stuff, right? So that's why you're 
that's why your story impacted me so much. So, um, another thing I wanted to ask you was, I know you talked about how you were shown, see, that you had been here for a long time. You've been here reincarnated a lot of times. So why, at the moment, you couldn't really see that, or 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 how did you all that get shown to you? Yeah, it came to me after a lot of it did. Um, and, you know, like I've done some uh, some past life regressions. I've done some quantum hypnosis healing techniques with like some hypnotherapists. I mean, like I, yeah, I kind of felt it in that space that I had been here before, you know. And um, yeah, the only way that I can like, I, I just don't know why I keep coming back. <laughs> like, that's the thing, you know, like, why do I keep making this decision and, you know, like I was told that this is the most exciting time to be on earth because there's this huge transformation of consciousness happening right now. And so anybody who's ever been here and even people or beings that have never been here before have all signed up to be here right now. You know, like we have the most people on the planet that we've ever had in the history of earth right now. And it's oh, really? because everyone's here for, you know, like the excitement of this whole transition that's going to take place. And, you know, some of my past lives, they make sense about like why this is my experience in this life on top of the fact that there's this mission for the collective as well. And I just think of earth as like an amusement park ride, you know, and like there's one ride in the park that everybody's like, that one is so scary. It's crazy, but it's so much fun. And it only lasts for like 10 seconds. <laughs> and so we all just like keep getting back online on the same ride, you know, and like, you know, and, and earth can be a whole bunch of different rides. Like it can be the teacups or it can be like the, you know, the ride that goes like loop to loop and then has a free fall, depending on what you want your earth experience to be like, you know, like I obviously chose the free fall for this time around, but I've had lives that were just teacup rides, you know, like I've seen them, they're very boring, mm. um, but like they're for a purpose, just like, you know, some development, like, okay, this is what a regular sort of boring life it looks like. That's it. But see, that's the thing that's gone. Because even that, right? Like when I wrote the book, it's like it kept unfolding, right? Over the course. Because even that, it's funny. I'm like, oh, today is, you know, whatever day. And then by the next, oh, today's this day. And this, like, new things kept coming out. So one thing, by the end of everything, I was made aware that either I created it or it was co-created, right? But not just that. It went back even thousands of years. So this, these things that they were showing me, it was like, damn, was I here to create that as well right things in different parts of the world you know it was connected to this pyramid it was connected to ancient greece it was like all these things right so i'm able to show people like whether that happened for anybody else 100 percent, i'm showing you proof that i co-wrote my life or you know like or i wrote my life right it was already scripted and then but see so if it's none of it is real because that's one of the things i put so it, it's either 100 percent a matrix right it's obvious or like at first, see the very first thing I was showing it was like a school, right? Like my brother graduated, right? Cause um, I'll put it to you like this. So on that day that he passed away, and then twelve years prior is when I graduated from the Marines on the same day, right? So it was like two sixteen, but twelve years prior, and we know twelve is like school. You go from first to twelfth grade. The clock goes up to twelve, and then it repeats. The months go up to twelve, and they repeat. So we're like, okay, something finished. So just with that cookie crumb, I was like, wait a second. So he just graduated the same as I graduated 12 years prior. And then an artist passed away like a month 
I don't know if you were aware of this guy, Nipsey Hussle. So when he passed away, I started like channeling him. It was weird. He started, I was like, what the hell? Like, what, he wants me to write songs like him now or what? Like, that's weird. And then I went back. I was like, his music's good. So I went back and I wanted to buy some of his music. And his last album was released on 216. So I graduated 216. My brother passed on 216. Nipsey Hussle's last album, which was called Victory Lap, was 216. So his Victory Lap, my graduation, my brother's graduation. So I was like, oh, shit. So this is like real. It's just a graduation. Like we, This was whatever school. And we all graduated. Even him being murdered, my brother, you know, going this way. And then me exper- experiencing that part of my life. It was all like connected. And then it went deeper. Like I wrote a whole because I didn't stop getting the synchronicities. Like it just kept going. The book is called 216, basically. 216 wow. and, and the Secrets of the Universe. Because that's where... It just unfolded and it gets so deep. It's like, it's insane, but it's able to show people proof that, okay, I can show you now that you don't just have to take our words for it. We're not just sharing like here, let me show you how, you know, it was all scripted. So yeah, yeah, no, no, thank you. And so you really feel that's all it is. It's just like that, like the matrix. Cause why, why aren't like, it's just weird to me. (laughs) Why, why do we experience all these things? Like, why, what is like the main uh, goal? I think, that, I think that heaven is probably really boring. You know, like we come here in form just to experience stuff because when we're home in heaven, it's just the same thing over and over and over again, which is beautiful, unconditional love and joy, which is amazing. Right. Mm. Like people, yeah, most people don't even get an opportunity to experience one moment of that in their human life, what it's actually like being home. You know, like we're here to experience duality, like to see what other feelings feel like. Yeah, I just kind of like envision myself like, yo, guys, let's go to Earth. It's on fire. It's going to be awesome, you know, and like just coming down here just to experience. And see, and that happened to me once. There was this this girl. And she lived like in another state. And I already thought it was weird because. I thought like she was catfishing because at one point. Like her birthday was the same as another girl that I knew. And then another girl that I started talking to had the same birthday too. I was like, this is impossible. Like these other two, but then the other one, well, yeah, yeah. Like I was like, Hey, do you mind doing? And I guess she got like, she was like, huh? I, maybe she got weirded out. Like, Hey, you want to FaceTime? Because I don't know. I just got to make sure it's you, but I didn't tell her why. Like I didn't. And then in one, one day I was sitting down like, just like that. I was awake and I saw her in my head and she, she told me that. She's like, come on, it'll be fun. Like telling us to come to earth. I'm like, what the hell? This girl was just in my life briefly. Like I probably messaged with her like for maybe a month, talked to her on the phone, like through IG. And then she, I seen her in my head telling me, come on, it'll be fun. I'm like, okay. But I kind of didn't want to, you know, and she's like pulling my hand, like, come on. But then that's it. That she was just in my life for that. Like, I, you know, I was like. Oh, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know what? This, the the thing with the synchronicities and the people, like I had a boyfriend, and you know he had a birthday. His name was Nick, and then like when the spiritual awakening really started to take place, this was somebody that I dated like way before any sort of awakening or anything. And um, and then I met a guy, and he looked just like him, mm. and his name was Nick, and he had the same birthday. And I was like, this is a joke. I was exactly. like, my, my ex-boyfriend is catfishing me. He wants me to think that it's not him. He's going to come to the house. I'm like, I don't know what he's going to do. 
And this dude came over and he was not my ex-boyfriend. He was like his own individual person, but like same hobbies, same career. He did the same thing. It was so strange. But for me, that's like life repeating the lesson. So like the same soul lesson will present itself in a different human but like sometimes it presents itself in very similar humans so that you know, like, hey, this is the same lesson that you didn't learn last time. Like, try again this time. So that's what happened to me with that situation. So that's because, yeah, I noticed that pattern too, right? Like, um, I noticed those patterns in people, right? Like that, that, uh, that you know, and uh, but, you know, there was a story I heard you share. I don't know if you want to share it. Um, because I don't know how much time you have, but you said something about your twin flame experience and that you were like, oh, this person and, and, you know, you did some stuff that it's funny. Cause I had someone do it's stuff. Really funny. It's a very <laughs> funny story. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to share know, like, I'm getting more into sort of sharing the comedy of the spiritual awakening experience because it is really funny, like, because it's so far away from anything that we've ever thought before, you know, um, but I have some doozies of hilarious stories of what happened to me after my experience. So, you know, like, I, again, I lived in spiritual unawareness my whole life, never knew anything about it. And, you know, I was like smoking a lot of meth. I was eating a lot of psychedelics. And so like, I never slept. I never ate like that's part of like fasting, you know, like that they talk about like in the Bible to fast, like no water, no food. And you start to like see crazy stuff, <laughs> crazy yeah, yeah. experiences start to magnetize to you. And honestly, like smoking crystal meth is like so insane. So like you just magnetize total insanity to you all the time. Yeah. yeah. And um, anyway, it was Halloween, which is a day when the portal is like very, like, you know, the veil is very thin on Halloween. Some people say that it's the day that, Atlantis was destroyed and I oh. perceived that I was here for Atlantis and mm. the destruction of it. I've had like, actually with that man, I had some past life memories of that. And um, so, yeah, you know, like it's Halloween, I'm standing at a portable charging station because like my phone never had any charge because I was just like a drug addict always on the run. <laughs> so in New York, you could charge your phone in these different docking stations and I'm standing there and I, I look at my phone and it's 8.08 PM. I have an 8% charge on my phone wow. and I'm looking at my bank account and I have $88 and 88 cents in it. And I was like, Oh, that's bizarre. And this is the first time that numbers ever presented themselves to me. I was like, that's so weird. Took a screenshot, went on with my life. Right. Eight days later, I meet this man that I perceive as my twin flame. And I find out that his life path number in numerology is eight. And then I find out that my life path number is also eight in numerology. Oh, wow. So like, I didn't know anything about numerology. I was just like this flighty, spacey chick, you know? And, um, but yeah, there was something about this dude. And like, he was just like me. He was really like a mirror to me. Same height, same hair color, um, like same reckless attitude like he was like a party guy he was like really into psychedelics he was like a drug dealer like whatever like all like this crazy stuff you know I was like this is the guy it's like so excited to die with somebody I was like this is the guy that like I'm gonna die using wow. drugs with you know <laughs> so like we go on this bender for like a couple of days he hadn't I'm like getting real detailed with it but he had not smoked meth in eight months and oh. I had been smoking meth for eight months. Wow. And that was like, that was another sort of like one of those sinks, like, okay, he was away and I was doing it. And then we, anyway, he came, we came together, he relapsed. He was pretty upset that he relapsed. So we parted ways, you know? 
didn't hear, you know, like I was so obsessed with him. I was like, no, you're so cool. Like we're supposed to be together. You're the only person I met that's as cool as me. Total self-centeredness, absolute insanity. And, you know, like it just was never going to work. It was never going to happen. And then in my, on my awakening, I, I knew that it was him. Like I knew that it was his voice inside my head that was like guiding me through. And I said, who is this? And then right then a notification went off on my phone and it was him. He had just posted a story on Instagram and, um, and, you know, like I, I, I was following him on Instagram from like a fake Instagram because he had me blocked and like, there's like <laughs> all funny parts of it. But like, I freaked out because I heard a voice in my head and then I had confirmation physically in the world. And, you know, like I saw him in my awakening all throughout. I saw our place as the divine feminine and the divine masculine energy in every mythological family, every pantheon, like Isis and Osiris in Egypt. Jesus and Magdalene and Christian mythology, Shiva and Shakti, like I saw us as those energies, you know? And so I just became like so obsessed that like it was him. It's gotta be him. It's gotta be him, you know? And I just made such a fool of myself. I went to his house and I was like, please be with me. I was like, listen, we're twin flames. And he was like, what? And I was like basically chasing him outside of his house. And I was like, Anyway, it was totally crazy. And like, he just didn't want anything to do with me. Like he literally ran away from me. And then the next day I went back to his house and I was like, you have to talk to me. I was like, you got to hear what I have to say. And he was like, dude, you're a psycho. Get away from me. And I broke into his house. I wow. literally kicked the door in. Oh, and I wow. Just like sat on his floor and I was like, I'm not leaving. I was like, I'm not leaving until you remember who we are. And he was like, this is insane. You're a psycho. His girlfriend was there, by oh the way. God. No oh, way. Yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So like I'm sitting on their ground and like the whole house is covered in trash bags. It was like disgusting. Oh. And I'm just sitting down there and I'm like, you're going to remember. I know that you're going to remember. I have faith that you're going to remember. And then he was like recording me on his phone. And he was like, you're a psycho. Like post this on Instagram. Like, look at you. You're so pathetic. And, you know, he was like verbally abusing me because I had broken into his house acting like a total psychopath. And um, and I said, please ask your girlfriend to leave. Give me five minutes alone with you just to see if like you can have some kind of remembrance. If you don't, I swear to God, I'll leave. I promise. And so somehow he convinced his girlfriend to leave. I don't know how he did that. And she walked out and then, you know, like I was sitting on the ground and, and he just kept saying, you're wrong. You're wrong. This is crazy. You're a psycho. And I had this thought and I said, man, maybe I am wrong. Maybe I have broke my brain. Maybe I'm totally strung out and like I'm past the point of return. And then he chuckled, but I hadn't said any of those words out loud. I had only said them inside my mind. And so I said, can you hear me? But I said it inside my mind. And then he like took a step back. He looked really scared. I stood up off the ground and I said out loud, you can hear me, can't you? Mm. And then we kind of like got a little bit closer to each other. I have bright blue eyes. And in my right eye, I have one brown speck underneath my iris. Wow. And as we looked into each other's eyes, which I guess we had never done before, 
as we looked into each other's eyes, I recognized that he had the exact same freckle in his eye that I have in mine in the exact same spot, mm. but in the mirrored eye. So it's my right eye, his left eye. So when we're looking at each other, it's literally, literally like looking into a mirror. I can see my eyes reflected back at me. And after that happened, our whole chakra system opened up and connected with one, one another. And our sacral chakra, that's like the chakra of creativity and your reproductive system. It's like right above your, um, right above your butt. It just stayed locked open. And so it was like this orgasmic experience from like 10 feet apart that we were from each other. And it was just like, it would not stop like this this wheel that was our chakra just like wouldn't stop spinning. And we were just like talking to each other inside of our minds, like having a whole conversation. And it was totally crazy. And then he was like, you have to leave. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, this is the rest of our lives. Like, this is amazing. Like we're magic. I'm not going anywhere. And he was like, just go, like, don't just leave. And I was like, all right. And, I, and so I went out front and I waited for him. Like I knew that he, he had told me in his mind that he was going to come out front. And he was like, okay, I'm willing to listen to you. Like, what is this? And I was like, dude, these are our 3D avatars. This isn't even who we are. This is just like our human, our human video game. And like, we're here together on this divine mission to uplift the consciousness of the planet. Let's do it. And he was like, okay, I'll see you later. And I went back to his house later and he never, he never opened the door for me again. In fact, he called the police on me. Oh. I almost got arrested. Oh, wow, I did get arrested. Oh, you it did? Was, wow. Oh yeah, it was crazy. It was total insanity. So then like, that was it. You know, like I really thought that he was my twin. And so the next year, and then I went, he was the catalyst for my recovery journey. Like he, oh. if it wasn't for him, I would have never went into treatment. Like I just kept getting downloaded. Like if he's your mirror, you can't be with that version of a mirror. Like, how are you going to accomplish anything? Like, you got to mm -hmm. get well. And I kept hearing, like, one of us has to leave so that both of us can get better. And so I went into treatment and Halloween passed again while I was in treatment. And they would let us go to the library once a week to, like, use the Internet and get books and stuff. And so I'm on the internet and I'm looking up all this information about manifesting your reality and, you know, twin flames and it said to properly manifest your reality or to call a twin flame into your life, you have to let go of outcome. You can let the universe know what you desire, but you cannot be attached to if it happens, how it happens, or when it happens. And so I said out loud to the computer, okay, if it doesn't happen in this lifetime, I'm okay with it. I know mm. that it exists and that's enough. And then when I walked out of the library, he was standing right there. He was oh, wow. right outside the library. He was on a moped. He wasn't standing there. He was on a moped. And I was like, dude, I can't believe it. And he was like, I don't know you. I don't know you. Don't talk to me. I don't know you. And he drove away. And again, if that's my mirror, him saying that he doesn't know me, then that means that I don't know me. And so I spent the rest of my time in treatment just getting to know myself. What do I like about myself? Why would I want to be with another person? What do I have to offer another human being? What do I want to learn? What do I want to do? What do I want to grow? You know, like all of these things, I didn't have any idea about any of that stuff in my life. Then I found out that he wrote an album and he entitled it Stalker. No way. about me, uh, <laughs> right? And one of the songs is titled, Talk to You in Your Brain. So like, for me, that was confirmation that we really did have telepathy because like, he's never really said it out loud to me, you know, 
But that's my maybe twin flame story. Anyway, it's totally psychotic. I was, I was really nuts. I really didn't know how to integrate anything that had happened to me. See, but that's, <laughs> but see, that's, it's funny because that's what I was used to too. Like everyone I dated, that, that was normal to me. Like, you know, there was one girl once, you know, she, all that stuff, but, but, you know, she did all that stuff. Oh, and once I thought, so it was funny because she came begging like, oh, please, this and that. And she was crying. I was like, nope, nope, nope. And then she takes a step back and she steps like in a thing of dog shit. And then she's like, oh, like all like. And her face was so, like, sad, you know. And obviously, at some point, you obviously still, like, kind of, like, you know, whatever. And so I was, like, fine. And I look at the, you know, I was, like, you motherfuckers did this shit. Like, <laughs> like and then I, I, I get her shoe, and then I go in my backyard. And so I let her come in, and I'm cleaning her damn shoe. And she's, like, right there. And, and so, you know, I mean, it lasted a short while again, too. But it was, like, funny. She had a lot of those instances. Like, when I was, like, no. And then some weird stuff would happen. And then I'd let her, I'd let her back again. And then I was like, but you know, it just kept repeating the cycle. I knew I wasn't supposed to, whatever, but it was funny. Like she did her, like once she hopped my fence and my dogs didn't bite her or nothing. I was like, what the hell? Like, and she's knocking on my window, like at midnight or one in the morning. I'm like, what the, I was like, I'm going to call the cops. And she just threw like, I couldn't even, <laughs> I couldn't even hop my fence like that. Like how the hell did she hop? I like, how the freak did this girl just hop <laughs> and disappear into the night? <laughs> that is me. That was me. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, That's so yeah, funny. Yeah, she would do a lot. Of, yeah, yeah. And that was just one, like, you know, I, I had a lot of like, but it was normal to me. Like, I don't know what it said about me then, I guess. I don't know why. See, at one point I thought like, oh, I'm supposed to help. Like, all the, why do I keep, you know, I'm supposed to help all these people. But then once it got draining, then it was like, or am I supposed to learn the lesson? Then it was like, am I supposed to set up boundaries, right? Like, yeah, yeah. But then I overset up boundaries. Then I was like, I ain't helping nobody no more. I was like, screw everybody. Like, I've been, I just wasted all these years of my life. Like, I never met, like, a good person. Like, every like every relationship I ever had was like that. So when, you know what I mean? All that stuff. So it was just, you know. Yeah, it's finding the balance. For me, it's finding the balance, you know, like um, instead of getting like really resentful, which happens too, you know, like, okay, why does this keep happening? Why do I keep manifesting the same partner over and over and over again? Like, what is it, of, you know, but yeah, what is it about me? Why do I keep attracting? What am I not learning? Why do I keep manifesting the same dude with a different jacket? You know, like same dude, same personality, different jacket and like yeah and you know for me finding that balance like instead of shutting I love how you said like it was like no boundaries but it was like brick walls you know but there's a balance in between that you know like there's some sort of chain link fence that the door opens and closes yeah yeah no absolutely yeah um and so you believe do you believe in that because I had wrote like um I had met someone and I think they're the ones that took me down the twin flame rabbit hole like you know, I don't know how many years ago. I even wrote a song about Twin Flame, right? Like, it was called Twin Flame, right? But it was like, yeah, but it was very like that. Like, um, I don't know. They were very wishy-washy, right? So they're the first person that ever gave me anxiety. So I was like, what the hell? Like, like, um, because they were so, like, wishy-washy, right? And so then when I would be like, you know, yeah, you're, you know, we're actually not compatible. Then they'd be like, oh, yeah, we are. Like, why? 
why are you saying that? So I was like, what? Like you keep pulling. And then when I, I'm like, all right, forget it. I believe you. And then you come and then you try to pull me back. And then I'm like, no. And then they're like, even once they were like, what does it feel like we're breaking up or this and that? And it's like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, so, but they're the ones that, that unfolded that whole twin flame. But then after I was like, I, they must've been like a false twin flame. Right. So you, do you believe in that false twin flame thing too, or no? Yes. I'm pretty sure that that guy that I mentioned is like a false twin, you know? And for me, like, and you know how you said that you have like this star wife, like the higher self <laughs> of that man, wh whether it's him, like whether it's that particular human, like this man that has the same eyes as me or not, I've spoken to that higher self. And like, I've gotten all the answers that I could ever need about it but I don't want any of the answers that I've received. You know, like my masculine energy is within me. Like I am a whole complete person. I embody the divine feminine and the divine masculine. And everybody that I perceive outside of me is a manifestation of my own inner world. Mm. So really everyone is my twin flame. Everybody wow. that I can perceive because everybody is a mirror to me an opportunity to grow, to learn all these different things, you know, and really like the conclusion that I came to, and it's taken me so I still, ha I still haven't all the way let it go, you know, because like, even though I've gone to countless like mediums and hypnotherapists and asked my soul in regression, like, is it him? And every time my soul says, no, it's not him, let wow. it go. And I'm like, nah, my soul is just messing with me because wow. they want to <laughs> really surprise me. I'm like, it's going to be the best surprise when, when, they, when they surprise me. Um, it's crazy though. Cause I've had, I've had the same response over and over and over again. And, uh, but I still won't let it go, you know, cause like, I'm so attached to the spiritual experience. I had telepathy with this man. He has the same eyes as me. Uh, he was the catalyst to my recovery journey. It's gotta be him, you know? And I realized that like, you know, source is my twin flame, you know, like God, uh, whatever, you know, Jesus, wh like whatever Buddha, whatever manifestation I choose to, you know, pay attention to today. Like, that's my twin, you know, like my highest, the highest version of myself, like all of my divinity encapsulated in, in another person. And, you know, that other person is me. And, and like, you know, some of the attributes of the divine feminine, the divine masculine, the masculine energy is all about action. It's about strength, discipline, uh, you know, like agility and, and really taking action steps. And my feminine energy is about nurturing, compassion, intuition, and cultivating those things. So like, you know, for me, I'm very action oriented. Like I'm all about, I'm solution focused. I'm always taking action steps towards goals. I'm always planning something. So I embody a lot of my divine masculine energy, you know, probably more so than my divine feminine energy at the moment. But yeah, you know, it's all an internal job. It's so annoying because like I want that fairy tale romance just like everybody else, you know, but that's not always what, what it's supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You know, it's funny because even that, like I, I get that now I know how to because I think that the feminine has definitely has to do with the intuition. So I think as an artist, I've been able to tap into that like be very connected to the feminine aspect, right? Even though creation is more masculine, so that that thing of creating is probably more massive, but within that being vulnerable, right? Like oh, that was my space because even that, right? Like the girl that, that would come crying and this and that, she taught me because when I met her, I was like, I didn't have emotions, right? I was very like, 
you know, everything. Like I had grown up around street stuff. Then I went to the military. So everything my whole life was be, you know, strong, be boom, be this and that. Like, you know, very stoic, very masculine. Right. And so I didn't have that. You know, I remember even once she was like, it was funny because, you know, she was asking, you know, she was drunk. I think I had already stopped drinking. So that's another thing. I know I get it that when I met her, we were partying together. Right. But then I stopped within that and she just kept on. So we started like, you know, becoming more just two different people. Like she wasn't coming along the journey with me, even though she would be the one. I, I never wanted to go to church because I didn't agree with that anyways. But I would go for her. Oh, let's go to church. It'll make things better. OK, let's go to church. And then, you know, it would still be the same. But um, what was that going with that? Oh, man. What the hell was I going to say? Um, shit, I forgot. Damn. What was I saying before that? You were just talking about this girl. You didn't really, yeah, you hadn't gotten to the point yet. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So once I remember too, we were like sitting down and, you know, my family's there, my brother's there, everybody. And then she's like all drunk and she's like, oh, do you love me? And I was like, yeah. And then she's like, oh, you love me? And I was like, yeah. And then she's like, do you love me? Yeah. And then again, you love me? I'm like, no. And then she's like, oh. <laughs> just get on that. That motherfucker, you asked me, like, you know, but she was so freaking emotional. She started opening. She was just a ball of emotions, right? Like, so she started making me. I think a huge part of her coming into my life had to do with that. Like, I had to start softening up. I think it has to do a lot with the spiritual stuff. I, I just, you know, I don't know how to put it into words, but I just recognize that, that her, you know, like, yeah, it was, it was meant to soften me up. Oh, maybe like that, what you were saying, just to say, like, to connect more with both aspects, how you said, like the masculine right. and feminine, become and more source. Bold. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And source. And she was actually one of the first ones I remember when I would have premonitions that I was able to tell. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I was like, hey, I had a dream. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wrote, I think I wrote it in the book how one day it was crazy. It was like they had never done that before. I had a dream and they gave me a first and last name of some guy. And I remember I was at the mechanic. She called me early in the morning, you know, hi, babe, whatever, this and that. And she could, I was like, hey. And then she could tell there was something, like, I was mad. And she's like, what's wrong, you know? And I'm like, who's so-and-so? And she's like, oh, oh, he just emailed me yesterday. I hadn't talked to him, like, in a year. You know, I, I haven't responded, all that. And I was like, you see? And it was like, damn, they gave me a first and last name of somebody in the freaking, yeah. <laughs> so, oh. Yeah, yeah, with her, I started, like, like I was being honest because she was, like, like she would take it. Like, you know what I mean? She, I would tell her, like, hey, I had a dream this. Like, I actually, you know, damn, I kind of didn't want to see because I don't know other people's, like, you know, I haven't talked. It's been years and years. But sometimes I don't want to say all the information because I don't know how open they are about their their stuff, right? So, damn, it's kind of like, now I, I said, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk to I'll tell you after. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll tell you real yeah, quick sure. after after we we hang this up. Cause uh, yeah, there was something else I wanted to tell you and I completely forgot already. But uh, but yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll just tell you after about that real quick. But um, yeah, no. If, if there's anything else, oh yeah, yeah. Um, just anything. Have they shown you anything going forward? Like like anything that's gonna come? You know, I know people are always worried about stuff in the future. So any any big message? Yeah. Well, yeah, the whole world's going to end in fire and brimstone. No, I'm just kidding. 
I um, love it. You know, <laughs> I have been shown that like we are in the process of ascension, which is just a, it's just a, a level of thought that's going to change. So right now we live in a third dimensional level of thinking. It's very ego centered, very self centered, materialistic, very low vibrational, mm. lots of fear and grief and confusion that really that's what the unrest of the collective is right now. And the reason why it's in unrest is because it's transforming. And so we're going up the scale of consciousness. The bottom of the scale of consciousness is fear. The top of it is unconditional love and joy. And so right now we're in this, we're in a, a transition. And so some of us are living in 4D, which is kind of straddling that line between, you know, the fifth dimension is God-centeredness. It's got a God-centered way of thinking. And if the word God bothers you, just you know, like a, a love centered, a heart centered way of thinking, um, to be of service, mm. to be compassionate, empathetic, to be understanding, to hold space for other people. And so, you know, some of us are in that 4D, we're straddling it right now, we're going back and forth between the two. And um, I know that's where I am. But I, I do truly believe that the collective is in the is in the midst of the great awakening. And I know that if I've been woken up, everybody's going to be <laughs> like everybody, everybody. So, but yeah, it's not going to, I think it's going to be just like a near death experience. If it is some sort of like sort of giant flash where then we then create the reality that we've always wanted. And maybe it's individual to each person, or maybe it'll be a collective thing again, but um, nothing to be scared of. That's for sure. Everything is always working out for the highest good. Thank you. That was beautiful. And, and real quick, since you said that, like, um, do you think, like, did you ever go through your dark night of the soul kind of thing? Like, was that all, all of it? Like, when you were, um, I guess, now having the withdrawals and everything, you think that was part of the dark night of the soul? Or? No, I, I mean, yes. I, I've had multiple dark nights of the soul, mm. just like moments where, you know, I let go of drugs, but other things manifested to try to keep me tethered to my human storyline as opposed to rising into my soul's purpose. Like, and, you know, it was really hard. Like I went through those pockets of time where I was like, I'm going to kill myself. I'll just start over. I, I can't do this anymore. Like, it's just too much. I just can't, I can't do it with all the awareness. Like I know too much mm. and like, it's too, it's too painful for me to know all of this and to be here. And, and then I found my people, you know, like, so for me finding community, like what you talked about with like finding like, you know, like a native tribe to assist you on your journey. That is so powerful. Like, I think that's so cool. Like what a cool journey to have chosen. And, um, you know, like I found my communities, I have a lot of spiritual communities that I belong to and I love being of service to all of them. I love learning and growing with them. Um, but no, I definitely have had some dark nights of the soul, um, like moments of just pure and utter desperation, like not understanding, like, how could I know all about God and still be feeling the way that I'm feeling? Mm. Um, but now I just, I look at those feelings as a gift, you know, like, wow, I'm, I'm really experiencing what my soul wants to experience right now. Isn't that so great? <laughs> and just try <laughs> to move on. Yeah. So do you think everyone, when this shift of consciousness happens do you think they're gonna kind of have to go through that because i know yeah i've like the same i've gone through multiple situations like that so do you think like there's no way around that like one way or another 
Like, no, I don't know what new earth is going to look like. I mean, like in my mind's eye, I don't see it being that way because I don't think that we're going to have like a lot of memory of what's happened on this old earth. But, you know, like for me, a big part of the dark night of the soul was grieving the loss of my last life. Mm. You know, like I had to like that version of me died. And so I had to like let go of her. And, and it was really painful because she's the only person that I've ever known myself to be. And so, you know, I was just supposed to like step into this new spirit, step into this new mission on this new path. And it just wasn't easy for me. I just, I had a lot of grief. I really did not want to let go. And so I think that for me, that's a big part of the dark night of the soul. But I think that as we ascend into a different way of thinking, I hope that people won't have to experience that or that if they do, they can listen to other people who have already experienced it and get some tips on how to get through it quickly. Definitely, definitely. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I don't want, yeah, I don't want to keep because I feel like, you know, everything you say, I could comment on be like, oh, and this and this and this. But, you know, I don't, I don't want to keep you forever. I'm, ve I'm very, very grateful that, you know, you came on and shared your story. So thank you. Um, Me too. So grateful for this conversation. It was wonderful. No, likewise. Thank you. And um, is there a way people can get in contact with you and all, all that? Um, yes, I'm sure that there'll be links in the show notes for this episode, but I'm on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. My handle is Buddha Betty. And yeah. Um, yeah, and I also have a podcast for the International Association for Near-Death Studies. It's called Explore the Extraordinary. Oh. And um, yeah, it's for all, all all sorts of mystical experiencers or teachers to come on and share about their, their pathway on the spiritual journey. So please check oh. that out as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so I'll put all the links underneath and thank you so much. And then just hang on because I want to tell you something. <laughs> so, okay. All right, so thank you everybody so for much. watching. Yeah, and thank you, Betty, for being an amazing guest. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, sometimes you're just feeling it. You know what I'm saying? You're just feeling it. <laughs> and I want to feel this way forever. Yeah.